Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. All right, 1 John. We are working our way through the book of 1 John, and surprisingly, we haven't gotten very far. We, uh, I finished the 9 o'clock service at the end of verse 2 in chapter 2. So we're really making some strong headway. But that's okay because it's important that we look in the Word of God and take our time and understand what's being said. There is a large portion of believers growing up today that don't know what the Word of God says for themselves. And if somebody confronts them, listen, there are people that you're going to encounter in your life who are not followers of Jesus, but know more about the Scriptures than you do. And you need to know what the Scripture says so when they, when they come and talk to you and say, yeah, but your Bible says this, you're not caught off guard saying, what, does it? You can say, actually what the Bible says is this. One of my favorite conversations, I think I've told many of you about this, is a long time ago, I used to work at Long McQuaid in Victoria, and I had a buddy, we worked back in the, in the warehouse, and we did all the shipments, and he was telling me about his favorite song by a band called Thrice, and it was like a real melancholy song, and the lyrics were uh, written by Shakespeare, he thought, and the, and the lyrics said, come all you weary, and I will give you rest. He's like, I love this song. It's my favorite song. It's like, it's from Shakespeare. And he tells me this, I just begin to laugh. I'm like, bro, that's not Shakespeare. That's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus said that. But listen, if I didn't know my Bible for myself, I'd be like, oh, Shakespeare, that guy is wise. I want to go hang out with Shakespeare. Shakespeare's going to give me some rest when I go into the presence of God. You got to know the word of God so that you know that it's not Shakespeare that gives you rest, but that it's Jesus Christ. Here's the thing, everybody. It is 11.55, and you should all be wide awake by now, ready to go. We're in the house of the Lord together. Remember our Jesus chair? Right? <laughs> it was a while ago at the beginning of the year that I continually reminded everybody that we were in the house of the Lord. That This isn't a building. That this isn't just a place we come on Sunday mornings. But the Bible says this is the house of the Lord and we're in God's house. And so when we come to God's house, we come ready to hear what he has to say to us. Because there is a word, if your heart is open, if your heart is open, there is a word that he has for you today. Amen? Let's just pray. Jesus, we thank you for our time together. God, I ask that you open our ears, our eyes, and our hearts to receive truth and life today. Father, we thank you that you say and that you do only what you can do. As we prepare to look into your word together, Father, I thank you that you bring healing, hope, revelation, and life, Jesus. We love you, and we're so thankful for all you've said and done already today and what you're going to continue to do. In your name, we all said, amen. Amen. All right, here we go. Let's go. Uh, We're going to jump in at verse 8, but I'm going to start at verse 7 just to give us a running head start at the the scripture here. Chapter 1, verse 7, John is writing, and he says, But if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, 
cleanses us from all sin. John begins to introduce now this idea and this concept of being cleansed from the sins that we have. It says in verse 8, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. If we claim that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. Everybody say truth. Can I tell you today, and I want you to hear me, that there is truth. Some of you got that. There is truth. We are living in an age of moral relativism. That's a big, fancy, many-syllable word to mean this that we live in a day and an age where anything goes. But I want you to know that there is a truth, and his name is Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, and he is the truth, and he is the life, and that no man comes to the Father except through him. Can I tell you today, and I encourage you in this, and you heard me say this a couple weeks ago, don't ever use the phrase, speak your own truth. And if you do, just stop. <laughs> just repent right now and stop. <laughs> if you're a follower of Jesus, oh, this is interesting. Let me say it this way. Had a conversation. Many of my conversations take place at the gym. We go to the gym every day. I had, this, I had this lady come up to me the other day. Me and Rich were just getting ready. Big Rich. He was in the first service. Everybody, you guys, don't, you guys know Rich, right? Everybody knows Rich? Awesome. We were just about to start getting ready to work. And this lady comes over. And I think she's about 77. And she goes to a great church in Chilliwack. She knows a pastor church here in Abbotsford. And she comes over and says, Jake, I need your help. I need your help. I was, okay, what do, you, what do you need help with? What can I help you with? She's like, I got a real problem. She's like, I got this friend. And every time we get together for our knitting group, she just uses the Lord's name in vain. And she just cusses up a storm. I said, okay. She's like, what should I do? I said, well, I said, let me start by asking you this. I said, is she a follower of Jesus? She said, no. I said, well, okay. I said, then in my life, I can't hold people who are not followers of Jesus to the same standard and code that I know that I have to live by. I said, now you can talk to her and say, hey, this, I don't love this. I don't like it when you talk like this. But she's not bound to the same law and the same truth that we know. So people in the world, they may speak their own truth, but if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, then you don't have your own truth. Sorry. You have his truth. And so I want to encourage you, don't walk, I'm just speaking my own truth. This is, this is my truth, and you can't take my truth from me. Well, if you've accepted Jesus into your life, you gave up your truth all those days ago that you became his, 
And now you have his truth that you speak. And his truth brings healing. His truth brings hope. His truth brings life. Your truth got you to where you needed Jesus. His truth brought you to the end of the road. He said, I can't go any farther down this road. I need the truth. Oh, come on now. We're about to have some fun in this place. Bogdan, we're about to have some fun, bro. You get ready for this. Because you're going to school in a few days. And when you go to school, you need to have the truth on the inside of you. That when people come and talk to you, because in school, good Lord Jesus, they need him there. They don't need you talking about your truth. This is what I know. This is what I believe. This is what, this is what my truth is. No, they need the truth of Jesus Christ. Let's look at this word truth for just a moment so we can actually move ahead in this verse. But let's look at this word truth so you can see for yourself what truth means. Truth here is the Greek word uh, aletheia. And it means this. True, truth, reality. The unveiled reality lying at the basis of and agreeing with an appearance. Basically what it's saying is, it is what it is. It is what it looks like. It is what it sounds like. What you see is what you It goes on, and it says, the manifested, the variable essence of matter. Let's look at Webster's. Webster's 1828, by the way. Not Webster's modern. Conformity to fact or reality. True state of facts or things. Conformity of words to thoughts. Some of y'all need to take a mental picture of that right there and underline it, highlight it, and circle it about 73 times. Conformity of your words to your thoughts. So your thoughts and your words align. And they align with the truth. Purity from falsehood, correct opinion. Wow. Not your opinion, not your parents' opinion, not your friend's opinion. Don't you love that everybody has an opinion? And don't you love that everybody loves to share their opinion? Correct opinion. And correct opinion comes from the word of God. This is where we draw our opinions from. This is where we draw our truth from. Correct opinion, fidelity, constancy, honesty, exactness, real fact of just principle, and the real state of things. Can I tell you this? In those two definitions, there is no real room for you to find a way to come up with your own truth. Inside this definition, inside of the Greek definition, there was no room for you to go and find your own truth in there. Because truth is truth, and Jesus is the truth. And so for you to find truth, for you to speak your own truth, just means that you are speaking what Jesus said. Oh, man, I'm way more excited about this than you guys are. Maybe because this is my second go of it at this morning already, but I am loving this section of Scripture. There's no room for you to come up with your own truth. 
And in fact, when people do come up with their own truth, you need to redirect them. Hey now, that's something. Let's think about that for a minute. Let's think about people sharing their opinions, people sharing their truth, and us as followers of Jesus, instead of redirecting them and giving them what we need, we just allow them to talk in the name of being good, polite Christian Canadians. Do you know what I'm saying here? Maybe when people begin to share their opinions, I don't know what it is, but when people share their opinions, many times we feel like it's the polite thing to do to just listen to them. But they're sharing their opinions, they're sharing their beliefs, and instead of us taking the time to say, you know what, that's a really interesting thought. Let me share my thought with you and begin to talk about what Jesus says. We just sit there and listen, and we leave those conversations, allowing them to continue in the falsehood or the lies or the miscommunications or the misunderstanding that their whole life is wrapped up in when we had a chance in that moment to bring them truth. Yes. There's something that we know. It says something about the truth setting us. Have you ever thought about every conversation you've had where you've allowed somebody to walk away bound up in the bondage and the chains of the lies that they were just speaking out of the name of politeness? when you had the key to their freedom all along? Woo! I can tell I'm having more fun than everybody else. That's okay, I can have fun all by myself. My parents always said when I was growing up, I was always in the corner playing alone. Come on. That's why God's love is so vital in our lives, you know, because when, we're, when we feel trapped in those conversations, when we have a revelation of the love of God, when we have a revelation of what Jesus has done for us, in those moments, we are consciously aware, like I was tearing, you know, a couple weeks ago about turn the light on, that we have this Jesus medicine, so it's not like, it's not like you're afraid to speak the truth. Something compels you inside of you. It's, I have to share the truth. I have to share this message of Jesus and help set this person free, amen? But when the love of God uh, consumes you, when you're over overwhelmed with the love of God, fear will have no more control over you. Amen. And I say today in Jesus name where, you know, your hearts are just being like, you know, um, your hearts are being poked on by the Holy Spirit this morning, you know, and you're like, I want to share the truth. I want to share the word of God. I say right now in the name of Jesus, you be set free and may you come into a new dimension of the love of the father. Amen. Because the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. So father, I thank you for the love of the father being released in this place, being released on hearts, Lord Jesus, God. And I thank you for a new dimension and level of freedom for every person walking in this place, Lord Jesus, that we would know the love of the father. Father, well, that we would walk in the love of the Father like no other in the name of Jesus. I say, church, be set free in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. So, verse 8, he says this. If we claim we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves, not living in the truth. There is a truth that we're called to live in. 
And it's not your own truth. It's nobody else's truth. It is Jesus' truth. It's the truth of the word of God. And that's where you're called to live. He said, but in verse 9, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Listen, we are human. We're alive in 2023. And there is, a, there is an active attack on each and every one of us to try and cause us to stumble and make mistakes. Listen, as he is talking about sin, that is the Greek word hamartia, and it means literally to miss the mark. That's what sin means, missing the mark. There's a goal, there's a mark, and you've just missed it. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you should be done with life. It doesn't mean that you should give up and quit and just forget all about it. What it means was there was a target that you missed. And so instead of walking away and throwing up your hands and saying, I'm done, I just can't do this anymore, what we're called to do is just ask God to forgive us, get up, and continue walking along. Too many followers of Jesus fall into the mindset and the lies of the enemy where we feel guilty and ashamed and we no longer say, I can continue to walk this road because I keep making this mistake and I don't want to try anymore. And so they lay down and they quit. Can I tell you this? The Bible says that when you ask God to forgive you of your sins, we just read, he's faithful and just to forgive you. The Bible also tells us that when you ask God to forgive you, he removes your sin from you. He takes it and removes it. And the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west. And those two never touch. That's the idea. They're going in opposite directions, not just circling around the world, but just going in opposite directions, and they will never meet is the idea. Here's what happens. So often as followers of Jesus, we make a mistake. We miss the mark. We ask God to forgive us. He does and no longer remembers it, but then the enemy comes and just continually brings it before your eyes with guilt and shame so that all you can think of and all you, and all you feel and all you deal with is this, this, this um, uh, unworthiness. There's somebody here that feels unworthy to be a follower of Jesus because of their past. There's somebody here that feels that they are not qualified to follow in the footsteps of Jesus because of the things they've done. And I want to tell you today, right here and right now, that when you ask Jesus to forgive you of those things in your life, he does. He doesn't remember them. It's the devil that comes and brings them before your eyes and tries to get you because of guilt and shame to stop walking on the road that God has called you to walk on. When it says he is faithful and just... It means he will forgive you over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Because he said it, he will do it. When Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often should I forgive some people? Somebody does me wrong. How often should I forgive them? Should I, should I forgive them seven times? Jesus says, no, you shouldn't forgive them seven times. You should forgive them 70 times seven. And it's not, it's not the number 490. I know you're all great mathematicians. You're like, oh, I'm carry the one. <laughs> Jesus was using a metaphor. And the idea was, you are called to live a life of forgiveness. 
And as often as somebody asks you to forgive them, you are required as a follower of Jesus to forgive that person. Now, yes, we could go way down that road. doesn't mean you have to continue to open your life up to them, your heart to them. You don't have to, like, allow them to continue to abuse you and hurt you. and do. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about strictly the principle of forgiveness. And if you are required to forgive somebody, do you think the Lord Jesus Christ is going to put a requirement on you that he does not himself live by? No, of course not. That means... When it says he is faithful and just, that every time you go to him, every single time, for whatever you're dealing with, he is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins. Now let me, we got a few minutes left here, and I want to show you this because it gets real exciting. I'm already excited. You're not quite as excited as I am. That's okay. Trust me. You're going to get there in a minute. He says, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar, showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 is where we're going to end up today. He says this, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. It's my desire, John says, that you don't sin. It's God's desire that you don't live a life of sin. Every day that you are a follower of Jesus, in your own life, it doesn't matter if you're 15 years old, 12 years old, 8 years old, 85 years old, 104 years old, or 46 years old. It doesn't matter where you fit on the spectrum of life. But every day that you are a follower of Jesus, you should be moving more into the image of him, more into his direction, farther away from the person you used to be and more, more, more like him. We all know that, don't we? And so it says, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin, but, everybody say but. If anybody does sin... We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. I want to take our last 10 minutes and just focus on these two verses together because there's so much in here. Listen, I want to remind you we're going through those, these, these verses one by one so that we have a strong foundation. So that when somebody comes and talks to you, when you're cutting their hair and they ask you a question, you actually understand what the Bible is talking about when it said if we're faithful and just to ask God to forgive us our sins, he will, that we understand behind the scenes how that's possible. And that's exactly what John is talking about. See, in verse 9 and 10, he says, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. He just told us this is what happens. And now in verse 1 and 2, he's going to tell us how this happens. And it's important you understand how it happens so that when people talk to you, you can actually explain to them the work of the cross. There's not many things worse than a Christian who doesn't even know 
the gospel message. Who couldn't explain the foundational principles of the word of God when somebody is asking them? That should not be the case. We need to know these things so that when people come to us and ask us questions, we've got something to say to them. And that's why we're looking at these things. I don't want anybody to feel condemnation. I don't want anybody, if you're sitting here like, I couldn't explain that stuff, that's why we're doing this. That's why we tell you to read your Bibles. Don't just read your Bible on Sunday morning. Read your Bible every day. Get your face in the book and open it and let it speak to you. So now he begins to explain what verse 9 and 10 are talking about. He says, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. This word advocate is the Greek word parakletos. You know, Jesus called the Holy Spirit paraclete. It means helper. And that's what this means as well. So Jesus and the Holy Spirit are both helpers, are both advocates, are both counselors. Look at this. This word means an intercessor. I mean, we could just stop right there. You have Jesus interceding on your behalf. I mean, maybe you know some mighty, mighty prayer warriors, some amazing intercessors, but you've got Jesus interceding on your behalf on the throne room of heaven, standing before God on your behalf. Yes. I told everybody in the first service, if I ever had to go to court, I mean, Perry Mason would be great. Matlock is even better. But Jesus, Jesus is the one who stands before the Father as my advocate, as my counselor, as my intercessor working on my behalf. You got your sins in your life that you commit going up before the Father? condemning you and convicting you and saying, yeah, but this person has this in your life. And then you've got Jesus on the other side interceding as your counselor, as your chief counselor, advocating for you, saying, let me tell you about this person. Let me intercede on this person's behalf. Yeah, not guilty. Intercessor counselor, advocate, comforter, referring to an aid of any kind. In the Greek writers, it's used of a legal advisor, a pleader, proxy, or advocate. One who comes forward on behalf of and as the representative of another. That's who Jesus is for you. When John is talking right here, he says, you've got Jesus Christ. We have another advocate who pleads your case. He's pleading your case, Jesus. And it says that he is the truly righteous one. The truly righteous one. There's nobody else that is righteous but Jesus. Jesus is the definition of righteousness. Hang on now. Come on. Jesus sets the standard for what righteousness is. 
Jesus is righteousness. <laughs> okay. It says, for he is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Let me read you some verses to back this up. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. He never sinned nor deceived anybody. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Hebrews 4, 15. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. You don't have some advocate, you don't have some counselor, you don't have some comforter who doesn't understand you and what you're going through. He doesn't, he's not up there, he's like, oh, well, I, just, I just can't relate to those people. I just can't relate to Jen. She's just so different. It's just a different time. It's just a different world. I never had to deal with those things. Back in my day, we didn't have those things. You've got somebody, the Bible says, that went through all the same trials and temptations that you did, yet he did not sin. And now that guy is standing in the courts of heaven pleading on your behalf. First John chapter 3, verse 5. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. First Peter 1, 18 and 19. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which loses their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. I can feel like this engine's just starting to turn over. I feel like, I feel like we're turning the key. And it's almost there. It's almost there. It says this. So you have this Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. And we just looked at these scriptures, and he is truly righteous. He didn't live a life of sin. He is the standard of righteousness. He is righteousness. And he's standing in heaven before the Father as your advocate, as your counselor. Now get this. This is the part I love. It says, he himself, he himself, he himself. This fan, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. So listen, let me, let me paint this picture for you. When you ask Jesus, when you ask the Father to forgive you of your sins, the Bible says in verse 9 and 10 that he is faithful and just to forgive you. Why? Because in heaven you have Jesus as your advocate standing before the Father pleading on your behalf. And when your sins say, oh, but there's a blemish on this person, there's sin in this person's life, they can't come in your presence, you have Jesus standing before the Father as your counselor, as your advocate saying, he himself is the atonement. Jesus paid the price. And so when the sin says you should condemn this person and banish them from your presence, you've got Jesus saying, well, actually, I already paid their debt. I already took that on my body for them. Do you understand? 
This is why when you ask God to forgive you and it says he's faithful and just to forgive you because Jesus already paid the price. And all you got to do is go to the Father and say, I've made a mistake. Please forgive me. And Jesus is there in heaven saying, hey, he said the words. He said the words. That means because he asked you to forgive him, Father, my blood paid the price. So he's forgiven. Do you, do you get it? Do you get it? Do you understand this? It's not just enough to say, if I ask Jesus to forgive me, then he does. If I ask the Father to forgive me, we need to know why. And it's because the blood of Jesus paid that price for you. Sin is canceled. You want to talk about canceling something? You want to talk about canceling a person? Let's cancel sin. Canceled. This person's done. Get off social media. You're not an actor anymore. You're not a politician anymore. Sin, you are done because the blood of Jesus has canceled you. Come on now. And this is what John's writing about. This is what he's telling these believers because these false teachers have got in and begin to creep in with their false doctrines where they don't know the truth anymore. So John says, I'm going to write you a letter. And if we backed up to like verse 6, he said, these are the things that Jesus taught me. Let me remind you of them. And he begins to talk. And the first thing he begins to talk about is sin. And we do have sin in our life. But if we're faithful and just, we can ask God to forgive us. And he will because of the work of Jesus on the cross. Stand up with me. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.